Your podcast starts after this quick message from Clear. The average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for allergens and germs to get in your nose and body and wreak havoc. That is, unless you regularly clean your nose and sinuses. So for healthy breathing and a strong body, use Clear Nasal Spray. Clear is a natural nasal spray featuring xylitol, an ingredient clinically proven to work against bacteria and effectively clean, not just rinse, your nose. Clear Nasal Spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. In fact, in a recent study, researchers found that xylitol nasal sprays like Clear are just as effective as leading medicated nasal sprays. For better breathing, get Clear today. That's spelled X-L-E-A-R. You can find it at all major retailers, CVS, Rite Aid, Walgreens, Sprouts, Whole Foods, and everywhere else. You're listening to Radio MD. She's a chiropractic physician, lecturer, author, entrepreneur, and talk show host. She's Dr. Suzanne Bennett. It's time now for Wellness for Life Radio. Here's Dr. Suzanne. One of the biggest complaints I get from my patients are postprandial symptoms, meaning after eating, they feel symptoms such as abdominal pain, cramping, bloating, extra gas, diarrhea, whole body fatigue, and much more. Now, eliminating inflammatory foods such as dairy, sugar, gluten, grains, and foods high in oxalates from their diet are one of my key strategies to mitigate the symptoms and restore vibrant health. But sometimes eliminating these foods is just not enough, and I have to dig deeper and get more personalized with their dietary plan, as well as looking at their microbiome through a functional stool test. Now, that's why I got super excited after reading a recently published article in Nature titled, Human Postprandial Responses to Food and Potential for Precision Nutrition. Today on Wellness for Life, we have one of the researchers involved in the study, Dr. Haya Al-Khalib, and she is one of the leading nutritional scientists from the Department of Nutrition at King's College, located in London, and also works with Zoe Global, developing the Zoe Kit and app. She has a, over a decade of experience in nutritional science and is super passionate about offering people a biological solution to reduce inflammation, promote health, healthy weight, and well-being. Welcome, Dr. Haya. Hi. Well, thank you for having me. Un- wonderful. Can you go ahead and in, with your you know just describe what the study was all about? How long did it take? Uh, who was involved in it? And what was the methodology? And of course, the conclusion. Absolutely, definitely. So um, the PREDICT-1 study took about a year to do. Um, And it's really unique in that it is the largest nutritional study of its kind, and it combines a tech company, Zoe, with academia, so such as universities such as King's College in London, and particularly the Twins Department, as well as Harvard and Stanford Uh, So it is really unique in that it combines um, tech with uh, academic expertise in nutrition. And we're realizing from the study that it's not just a single factor such as genetics. It's a multitude of interrelated factors that affect how we respond to foods or postprandial responses, as you'd mentioned. So when you eat a meal that contains mixed nutrients, you have an increase in a many different chemicals in your body, which we call metabolites. And these increases, they happen following every meal that we eat, so multiple times a day, and we spend our day in a challenged state. 
So, but usually what we do is we just measure fasting blood samples. So this study is really unique in that it measures the the changes in the blood over throughout the whole day in response to everything that we eat. And we looked at these metabolites um, such as glucose, triglycerides, and many other metabolites, some of them that are also inflammatory markers. And what and we did this in um, 1,000 people, the majority of them being actually twins. And what we found is there was such enormous variability in how people respond, even when they ate the exact same food um, as part of the study. So this is, this is huge for the field of nutrition science. We found variability as big as tenfold between individuals. Um, some of these were, as I mentioned... Even in the... Even in twins. Even in the twins. Even in twins. And were these twins identical twins? Yes. So even in identical twins, there were differences. Yes. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, yes, exactly. And and these and that's why th- this variability um in all these different factors can even be related to weight gain. For example, how your blood sugar res- uh, changes in response to how you eat can affect how hungry or how full you feel as, as well as your energy levels. It can even affect how much you eat at the next meal, and this is unique to every individual. So What's right for everyone is going to be different, and it raises the question that there isn't really just one single diet that should be prescribed to everyone. So in nutrition research, we're starting to look beyond the mean and starting to understand differences between individuals, and eventually the guidance that we give people should be on an individual level. Yes, that's that's what personal medicine is about, and it's definitely getting more and more that way. Um, I, I work with genetics, uh, methylgenetic analysis, and um, I use different types of testing, including blood, urine, and stool sample, all of this so that we can be more personalized. But you, you're, you're developing, I understand, an actual app, an actual machine that can help uh, with this as well. Um, so what got, so for, let's, let's finish up though. I want to just be, be a little bit more clear about the study. Um, so once you looked at the different types of foods that people are eating, and there were definitely different variables, you felt that, did you find that, um, the gut had a lot to do with it? The, what, because every gut, you know, microbiome, we are all very unique as well. Right. Absolutely. Yes. So, and, and specifically also in the microbiome, we, you know, twin, even in twins, um, they only share 37% of their microbiome. So even when they are identical, whereas com- people who are completely unrelated share 35%. So it really isn't just about genetics. And we found that potentially one of the many factors that could have an impact on how we all respond differently um, when we've measured these metabolites, could also be the microbiome. And um, in addition to that, it could be a range of lifestyle factors as well, such as when we eat um, can ho- also have an impact. Um, so in, in answer as well to your question, what Zoe is doing is uh, people are able to purchase a test kit that allows them to test their microbiome, test their blood sugar responses, and also their blood fat responses to foods to be able to then recommend to them what would be the best foods for their biology. Oh, And this came about from all of the data that was collected from PREDICT. So we, we were able to build a machine learning algorithm, which predicts how people would respond. 
And this is what could be used to be able to tailor nutritional advice to everyone's unique biology. Mm. Have you tried it on you yourself? Um, I, I have. I have, yes. <laughs> and, I mean, if you don't mind sharing, what did you find about your body? Oh, sure. So what I found is I actually um, needed to do quite a lot of work to improve my gut health. I found that there are certain foods or certain carbohydrates that I handle better than others. So it's not as simple as just eat all these fruit and vegetables. Some could be better than others for me specifically. Um, I also found out about my body's ability to handle certain types of fats. Um, so all together to be able to guide me on what sorts of foods would work best for me. That's fascinating. There's a, a stool test that we do, a functional um, stool test uh, by Genova. And often, not all the time, but often I find that people have a terrible, terrible time digesting, meaning there's a lot of fat within the stool. And those individuals usually have symptoms such as loose stool after meal, postprandial. So after they may eat within an hour, they, they're on the toilet, you know, and they're having loose or diarrhea stool. A lot of them have a lot of grumbling and a lot of noise. And then um, um, as well as even incontinence, you know, get a gassy incontinence. So, um, and these are young people. It's not like this is something, you know, as you get older, this is young people dealing with this. So it sounds to me that your test, the Zoe test may be able to t teach them what fats may be actually better than others. It could be that, um, uh, you know, like, for instance, fats that come in nuts and seeds might not be as good as, let's say, a fat uh, oil that's come from animal fat, right? Is that is that how this test can actually, um, you know, indicate which fat is better for you? Yeah, sure. So the way that it, it is exactly as you said, so not all fats would be the same. People would have different abilities to handle all these different types of fats. The way that um, Zoe would be able to recommend which fats would be best is from the metabolic response or what we see, how we see fat changes in the body or how long it stays in the blood. Because the longer it stays in the blood, the more it triggers inflammation or, in, uh, or markers of inflammation. And over time, these really big concentrations of fat in the blood, although they're normal, they're a normal part of metabolizing and digesting food, um, they could be linked with worse health, health markers over time, such as, for example, heart disease or diabetes. And it's the same as well with sugar. So from the perspective of fat and carbs, it's um, determined from how um, metabolically someone responds rather than the remnants in the stool. Mm. In this test kit, you mentioned that it also looks at the microbiome. Um, how detailed are you regarding that? Do you have to, is it is the test kit, you've got to give it also a stool sample? Yes, exactly. So it would be a stool sample. It would, um, based from, from the predict research, it would be able to also tell um, what are the kind of uh, good bacteria that are associated with, with better health? How uh, predominant are they in, in the gut? And also the poorer bacteria that are associated with worse metabolic health, how abundant are they? And then what are the foods for each person, for their unique gut, should they be eating to be able to get the balance um, correct? Mm. So it is for, um, it wouldn't be for, uh, the kit wouldn't be for people who have, for example, 
um, gut health issues such as, for example, um, IBD or um, IBS, but it is more uh, for kind of general gut health. Right. Just looking at the the, um, different diversity, possibly diversity, I guess, of the microbiome is... Exactly. So the different specific bacteria and the diversity. Right, yes. right. And is this Zoe kit available in the United States? Yes, absolutely. So on the website, so joinzoe.com, people can sign up to the to the um, waiting list and it is launching at the end of this month, I believe. Yes. Oh my gosh. So it's brand new. This is exciting. Very exciting. Now, yes, it is. It's really, really exciting. Um, you know, we talk about inflammatory reactions and uh, how our cells uh, react to food. I, I deal with a lot of allergies and in food intolerances, and um, but um, the connection of all food allergies and chronic illness is definitely strong. And I'm talking about uh, autoimmune, heart disease, diabetes, and all that. So obviously, this is a great. Uh, great way of prevention preventing and you you know the word the study called predict it's predicting whether you're going to have these diseases in the future or not were were the um were the test subjects also all full different in different age range or were they a specific pocket of of um older you know the age range what, what was that yeah, definitely. So with PREDICT, it was a, it is definitely able to predict how people would respond to food. Um, and then it's, um, it, it is able to, or Zoe is able to recommend foods that potentially over time could reduce the risk of um, metabolic conditions like heart disease, diabetes, and such. Um, with regard to whether people... Um, are, you know, the, the kind of cohort of the people who are taking part in the study. So these were a big age range between 18 to 65. We tried to recruit a ethnicities that were representative of the United States as well. As In addition, um, it was um, males and females, um, mainly people who were healthy, but some who were at higher risk of diabetes. In PREDICT2, we did have also some people who um, did have diabetes. So it was quite a big range, but generally it was a healthy population. Mm. What's exciting also is that once you really do start to um, distribute and get more data uh, you know, from the people that want to use this for their own uh, personal medicine, um, you're going to be able to also gather more information, I'm sure, um, hopefully so that you can even share more of the details and uh, create even a better better uh, kit itself. That's precisely true. So the more data there is, the better the machine learning algorithm can perform or the more accurate predictions it can give. And that's why it is very much also a sort of citizen scientist initiative where when people do contribute, they are helping to find the answer for everybody as well. So it is really overwhelmingly amazing that all these people came together, both from the United Kingdom and the, and the U.S., uh, twins and non-twins of all these different ages, ethnicities, as we've mentioned, and helped to find the answer for every individual, but also hopefully for everyone as well. Mm, love that because, you know, we are consistently, uh, our diseases are not getting any better. Um, even when we live in these modern times, um, we are all still 
suffering from so many chronic illnesses. Um, and, and is there at all, I mean, I know right now we've got COVID. Is there at all how you can connect COVID with the Zoe? Right. So actually, Zoe has launched a uh, COVID symptom study. So in collaboration with academics as well at uh, Harvard and King's College, trying to also understand what are the effects of um, of the the virus and how and having people log their symptoms to be able to help inform easing of lockdowns. Um, so that has been a big initiative that Zoe has been uh, taking on. I don't personally work on that side of it. But um, I am able to say that they're very, Zoe is very actively working on researching the effects of, um, of COVID in the population and also starting to look into how the lockdown has affected everybody's dietary habits, too, in, in a really, really uh, large academic study, which is really exciting. Oh, I totally see that with my patients that, you know, a lot of people are eating excessively from anxiety. You know, when you get anxious and nervous, a lot of people go to food as their, right. as their comfort food and, yeah. and they're eating the wrong types of food. And um, um, although some of my patients are even doing better because they're eating healthier food and they're doing better for the, and, and with their diet and they're even making kimchi, which is, you know, very well, um, right now recognize it is going to improve their immune system to fight off the virus as well. You mentioned something to me, you said the word algorithm, and I want to ask you, would this be considered like artificial intelligence looking at and predicting the future of your health? Right. Yeah. So by taking all of these um, measurements, when each person takes their measurements in a, in a test kit, it's able to be fed in so that it, their responses to foods could be predicted based on all of the information or all the data that is collected. So that's why, as you said, the more that people contribute data, the better the answer gets for every individual as well. Um, that's exactly true. So traditionally, nutrition research, though it has come, you know, it has brought us quite far, it is quite limited in its um ability to personalize because we we aren't logistically able to collect enough data to start looking beyond just an average across every group. We don't have enough information to be able to understand differences between people. But what happens is where AI or algorithms or technology at scale is able to help us collect data, not just at a huge um breadth, but also at such depth so that we could start understanding inter-individual responses. Mm, that's good to hear. I will tell you a, a very funny story. Uh, you know, when 23andMe came out many years ago, I don't know, six, seven years ago, I was one, I, I did the, the actual test to take a look at my ancestry, um, ancestry and uh, where I come from. Now, I was born in Korea. My Both my parents are Korean, and I've been told by my family members, of course, my parents, that I'm pretty much purebred Korean. Well, when I did the ancestry and checked, it said that I was 27% Japanese, and it was a shock. Wow. Now, that's a huge, <laughs> that's a huge amount. What that means is actually one of my grandparents is, is would, would have been Japanese. And my on my mother's side, I knew for sure they were Korean. But on my father's side, I didn't know well much. And my father was passed away already by then. So I couldn't ask any questions. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, 
I thought, I mean, I'm thinking maybe I am part Japanese and my family members were, were very upset when I did this. <laughs> and not because, you know, they just th thought that's not true. That can't be true. But I'm thinking, well, this is science, you know, but the truth of the matter is, listen to this. Over time, there was much more data, right, uh, Dr. Haya? Yeah. And it got more and more precise. And it that 27% went way down to like 6% wow. or something like that. Over time, this is over six, seven years maybe, um, that, that the numbers have changed. So data yeah. is key. I mean, I know that you've got a thousand, and that's a big study. Actually, that's a big study when you look at uh, the number of people that you've had. But over time, I think you're going to get far more greater detail, and you're going to be able to service more people in much more better, precise way. And that is what's, what this is, is let's get more into precision medicine. Exactly, exactly. That's exactly the point. And we're so excited as well because we've just finished Predict 2, which where we had done another 1,000 people. And um, so hopefully also with the additional data, we are able to get even more and more precision and be able to unravel as well, not just how it is just about food, but also not just what we eat, but also how we eat. So we're able to look more at how sleep or exercise or timing and all of these factors are very individual to all of us and have such a huge impact on our postprandial metabolism, definitely. Mm, that's fantastic. Uh, are, is this at all, and will it be at all available in um, doctor's offices and insurance coverage with this test? Right, that's a great question. Um, it's not clear to me yet whether that will be um, or how long it would take for it to get there. It's not at the moment, but potentially it could be something in the future. There's no doubt that, uh, you know, when we look at the microbiome and the foods that we eat and reducing inflammation, it all helps, particularly in reducing water weight, weight, weight loss, fat loss. I mean, there are studies where they show um, a, a person who is overweight, their microbiome uh, can change by um, inserting, and this is, you know, rectal implants, stool, um, fecal implants, inserting... Um, fecal material coming from a, a skinnier person, it actually can change that microbiome into a skinny person and then eventually reducing the weight. It's really fascinating. There's so much science out there nowadays that uh, precision medicine is key for our future of health. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you know, the microbiome is becoming an increasingly more and more important thing. And I, I think it is quite trendy, but I think it is something that's here to stay and one of the really important, um, one of the many important determinants of, of how we all are so individual in our responses to food, for sure. Right, great, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Haya. Okay, so what, where can we find out more about the Zoe and as well as you? Where can we find more about you and, and what you're doing with the study? Absolutely, so you can find out about us on joinzoe.com you can find out about me. My name is Dr. Haya Al-Khatib on Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, definitely feel free to reach out if you have any questions at all. Thank you so much. What a great, great show. I really am, appreciate you being on the show and giving us all the details because this is brand new information that has come out. Thank you again, Dr. Haya. Thank you so much, Susan. Hey, yeah. Dr. Haya. Yeah, thank you so much, Dr. Susan. It was lovely to meet you. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you so much. Okay. Great information. Boy, I think this 
Zoe test can really improve us on getting what is the most important uh, foods that we want to eat so that we can improve our health, reduce inflammation, and of course, for our future, future of health. And I'm talking about any of these chronic illnesses that a lot of us deal with. If you've learned a lot, definitely, definitely subscribe. I know that this we're going to continue to do our very best for you here on Wellness for Life. And if you need help in digging deeper with your health issues, I work with people globally through phone and Skype consultations. And my contact info is available on my website, drsuzanne.com. Until next time, go out there and live your best life today full of energy, enthusiasm, and ultimate health and wellness. This is Dr. Suzanne sharing natural strategies on the Wellness for Life show right here on Radio MD. Stay well.